It is by will alone I set my mind to read. It is by the juice of corn that words acquire meaning, the pages acquire stains, the stains become a review. It is at patreon.com slash sword and laser you can provide support. Hey everyone, welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and of course, awesome discussions from fans just like you. But there's one last fan in the audience tonight. Many of you know, but some of you may not, that Jenny Colvin, host of Reading Envy and member of Sword and Laser's community and so much more, passed away unexpectedly last week. Uh, We'll be posting some of your memories of her on our website in the show notes for this episode, swordandlaser.com, and stick around after the music ends for this episode, uh, because after that, we're going to share some of our memories. So who needs a drink? Yeah. Um, we were supposed to record last night and going through Goodreads is how, uh, we, we found out, um, about Jenny's passing. So thank you to Rob as always for, for sharing that information, uh, with our community. Um, but yeah, we will, we will, as Tom said, share some memories of her after, after the show. Um, I am drinking the Rooster Rosé, um, the rooster rosé, you say, whose name I still cannot remember, even though I mm. went downstairs just a moment ago to uh, get a <laughs> glass of that very rosé from Whole Foods that is under twelve dollars. The rooster rosé, and you, it's, you've it's had, French. You've had this before, and all our notes just say rosé <laughs> or rooster rosé or the yeah. rooster. <laughs> and you know, I feel like I could be a basically like a um influencer a rooster rose influencer at this you point could, if you remember the name <laughs> if i could just remember could. the name i feel like that's like goal number one of an influencer is remember the name of the brands you're talking about yeah 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 um so i'm um, out of touch well, you'll, you'll get there you know you know we'll see I, I think we have a bright future ahead of you thank god uh i am raising a glass of the beer called terra a 100 real carbonated beer it says on the label not oh. fake beer well that's nice totally real uh yeah it's premium quality it's an australian style beer made in korea i feel like there's a lot of caveats to this beer <laughs> that are making me a little uncomfortable yeah uh it says 100 real carbonated beer made from pure ag malt australian genuine malt okay they're like australian like like some people get their peaches down in Georgia, Tara gets their malt in Australia. Is that what it says on the bottle? No, I just made that up. <laughs> I get my peaches it down did look in Georgia. Like, uh, we could see each other my, over Zoom California. and it did look like I was reading it off the label right then. Didn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, more sausages made uh, notes today. Uh, some of you may be wondering, hey, where's that great video podcast that you guys had been oh, right. producing and putting up on the Sword and Laser YouTube channel? Um, we had a bit of a snafu, I would say, with uh, Riverside.fm. Multiple FM. times, yeah. Couple, a few snafus. Um, it was a bit of a fool me once, shame on you, fool me twice, uh, shame on Riverside.fm. Um, <laughs> so <laughs> we canceled our subscription. Uh, we are currently looking for alternatives um, it was working fine for so long. And then until one, it day, one day, one well, we day, it just stopped recording all of my side of things. We had two of those instances, if you'll yeah. remember. Um, and so that was just kind of a bummer. It would like re- stop recording halfway through just Tom's side. And I would still be on video with him talking to him. And it would seem like everything was fine. And then yeah. we would go back to play the audio and video later. And I would literally just be talking to myself. And, the, so. and, and not to get too far into it, but the way that tool works is it's supposed to record it locally on your machine and then upload it for you. Mm-hmm. And it tells you when it's uploaded it. And it was telling me it uploaded it all, but it hadn't. Yeah. Lies. Lies. <laughs> anyway. Actual so we're, lies. Uh, we're, Unlike we're, your we're, Korean beer. Yes. My Korean beer is actual beer. It's just I more can, innuendo. Mm-hmm. And it is from Earth. Hence, it's called Terra. All right. Well, hey, uh, let's jump into the quick burns. Yes. Thank you, Mark, uh, who's actually one of the people listening to us in Discord. Uh, we are able to, to stream our audio into Discord. So Mark uh, and Mal and John Nevitz 
are in there right now. Mark, uh, I, I actually don't know if it's the same Mark, but a Mark said uh, that the 2022 Locus Awards top 10 finalists were announced. And among the many good books nominated are several sword and laser picks, including four fantasy novels, Light from Uncommon Stars by Rika Aoki and first novel, A Master of Jin by PJ Lee Clark and Machinehood by S.B. Divya. Um, Mark says in Discord, same Mark. So you same were on Mark. the Mark. Okay, good. Yeah, you were on the Mark. <laughs> on the Mark, Mark. Get on the Mark, Sorry. Mark. <laughs> Seth says the British Science Museum is opening a cool looking exhibit called Science Fiction, where you can, quote, embark on a once in a lifetime adventure through the cosmos to explore visions of the future through the science of today which sounds cool for our UK folk. And Mm -hmm. as part of the exhibit's opening in October, they're sponsoring a sci-fi writing competition for unpublished UK authors. You can submit the start of your novel and you can win money, professional critique, and publisher connections. And all the details are over at sciencemuseum.org.uk slash science fiction debuts writing prize. Yeah, put dashes between those words if you try to type it out. We'll have the link in the show notes. We'll have too. the link in the show notes. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, this is this is cool. I, I love that it's not only a section of the science museum, but also a way to try to get people to start writing. That's fantastic. I'm I'm super curious because we are, you know, the book we're currently reading, it feels it's very rooted in the science of today in a lot of ways. Yep. And so mm-hmm. I feel like the description of the future world that they're living in, it feels a little more like, oh gosh, like this, this kind of feels in, in a lot of ways, like it could be happening. Um, yeah. so I'm curious if this, if, if this, uh, this expose, this uh, exhibit, um, is going to have a similar vibe of like, okay, so how, how are we in the future going to handle climate change? How are we in the future going to handle like all these other things that are going on in the world? And I hope I hope that there's some positive outlook there. <laughs> like, I well, really need there to be something <laughs> to hold on yeah. to. There's, there's, there's two ways to get a positive outlook out of science fiction like that. One, one is to have someone write like a positive future that you could see happening and think, oh, that that's what we should go for. That's kind of the Star Trek ethos, mm-hmm. right? Like, like project a, a potential future that we want. Uh, there's also the the one where you go back and you read a novel in the past that was predicting apocalypse. And then you notice that that apocalypse was supposed to happen in 1993. And there's a bunch of things that never could have happened given the way history went. And you're like, Oh good. We're not that good at predicting the future. So maybe the current ones won't end up being true. Or maybe we need those apocalyptic novels to warn us. So we change our ways. Who knows? Yeah. I mean, humankind is, is, tends to be pretty good at bailing themselves out at the very last minute of disaster sometimes. I mean, so. we have so far, which, <laughs> but that's also a bit of a anthropic principle there, which is, you know, we, we are because we're here until we're not. We, we've only been here in a blip of time. <laughs> so the, in the grand the, scheme uh, of the things. The species elsewhere in the planet that didn't do it aren't around yeah, to talk the, about The Neanderthals it. might have a different outlook. Um <laughs> I don't know. I, we, was, I think we just intermarried. I I have more of the opinion all the time that the Neanderthals are are us. Like we well, just they are. We, I have we, Neanderthal DNA. Yeah, and that we just all we didn't conquer them. They didn't die out. Maybe the Denisovans too. Who knows? But there uh, was like, some maybe, some cannibalism. Yeah. There was some intermarrying. I mean, um, but when isn't there in an early well, just relationship? Just a little cannibalism. <laughs> a little nibble. Just a yeah. little nibble here or there among friends. When do, um, it still happens. I, I did want to bring up this is uh, not in the show notes as far as I'm I'm uh, concerned or not as far as I'm as far as I'm aware rather. <laughs> um, so what is up with there being aliens and people just not paying attention or caring? Have you been following this? How like the Navy and the Air no. Force and the Pentagon are like, yeah, we've got all these sightings of things that we can't okay. explain. I've lived through this before, so maybe I can help you. Uh, since we're redoing the seventies right now with, Mm -hmm. you know, like wars and inflation (laughs) and and everything, civil rights, uh, there was a big deal deal in the seventies where project blue book was declassified. Uh, and it, it released all of these unidentified flying object sightings. There was even a TV series called project blue book where they recreated all this stuff. And it was the same exact conversation of like, there's all these UFOs and nobody like acts like it's a big deal. You have to remember that an unidentified flying object is not an alien. An unidentified flying object is a flying object you didn't identify. 
Yeah, but they're like the the story coming out of like the top levels of our security services are like, this is something that is either like someone on the earth has technology that is so far beyond our technology. That's not exactly what they're saying, though. That's what TikTok told me. Exactly. Exactly. That is what TikTok is. That's how TikTok is interpreting their words. And that's exactly what people were doing with Project Blue Book and all that stuff in the 70s. But I've seen the recordings and I've heard the pilots on the recordings being like, we don't know what this is. All this has happened before and all this will happen again. (laughs) I just feel like maybe people are so expecting, like, uh, expecting, like, a huge invasion of aliens that anything less than a major invasion is just like not that interesting. Listen, I'm not saying that some of the Project Blue Book stuff might not have been aliens. I'm not saying that some of this stuff might not be aliens, but people then and I think now again are sort of over interpreting it because wouldn't it be nice? Wouldn't that be a nice distraction to discover wouldn't life it be elsewhere nice in the planet? If there were aliens. <laughs> yeah, then we wouldn't be alone so long. <laughs> There you go. Maybe they would have the tech to save us. <laughs> uh, yeah. uh, but again, don't don't take don't take that to for me to mean there is no possibility that any of these are aliens. Just it's not it's not yet proof. That's all. I feel like an alien invasion could really bring us together as a people right now. Like you know, the big the thing that kind of thing. like brings us brings society together yeah. again. Yeah. You, so you, de- you definitely thinking. need an external enemy to bring a society together. That's right. All right, let's move on to Ruth. Yes, uh, let's move on to vampires. Ruth <laughs> uh, says the Dracula Daily Newsletter allows the experience of the epistolary novel, uh, which means a, a novel told through letters, which is what Dracula is, in bite-sized chunks, following the story's own internal chronology of letters and journal entries. It started last year, really exploded into popularity this year. The novel starts on May 3rd, so if you want to join in the fun, you'll have a little bit of catching up to do, and then it concludes on November. 10th because it's following the chronology of the story. It's pretty cool. You can sign up for the newsletter at draculadaily.substack.com. You can read more about the internet phenomenon on the daily dot. There's a a good uh, article over there. You can search around and find that apparently. And it seems like a fun way to experience or re-experience this classic horror novel. I'm joining in, says Ruth, via the audiobook. There's a version available on Audible with an all-star cast, including Tim Curry and Alan Cummings, which is free to Audible members. Wait, I thought I thought Tim Curry passed away. Well, he might have recorded it before then. Okay. Or he's an alien. Or he's a vampire. Or he's an alien vampire. He's a I mean, vampire makes more sense in this context, Tom. Uh no, he is still alive. Do not okay. try to put Tim Curry. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry Tim Curry. I love you. I love Off this you earth so yet. Much. He's not done. I feel like I do this a lot on the show. <laughs> I have found apologies. Uh, I have found personally that if I don't know if someone's alive or not, just assume they're alive because it always works out better if you assume someone is alive and they're not than the other way around. That's true. All right. Well, in good news, um, Oaken says after a long struggle with cancer, CJ Cherry is on the mend and hoping Yay! to be active at cons uh, when they start picking up steam again. Uh, possibly more relevant to this group, though, is that she has been writing again and just wow. 30,000 words into a new foreigner novel. That is a novel in the foreigner universe, not a novel about the band foreigner. Thank you for that clarification. Mm-hmm. Just in case yeah. there was a, you know, someone's a big fan of the album for. We interviewed CJ Sherry at Worldcon. Was no. it Worldcon or was it Nebula? Uh, Neb- mm, no, it wasn't either of those things. It was <laughs> Bay Area. It was, it was the um, Baycon. Bay it was Baycon. Okay. Uh-huh. Bacon. It was Baycon. <laughs> Bacon. Was it though? I don't know. Uh, but we did. And it was awesome. Which yeah. is great. Yeah. Uh, let's talk to Terp Kristen. Well, we can't talk to Terp Kristen, but we can talk about Terp Kristen because Terp Kristen posted that ChaiCon 8, the next World Con, is hosting with some bookstores local events to talk about books. Uh, she quoted the email, uh, in the posting, but basically you can attend as few or as many events as you would like. Uh, you, you Hugo voters can get a chance to meet each other before the Shycon eight. Uh, each discussion is also virtually hosted on zoom. Uh, and you can go to the email. We'll have a link to the, the email from MailChimp in our, on our website, swordandlaser.com, or you can just search around for it. It was easy to find on the Shycon eight website. Um, 
They'll be at uh, there's uh, Shauna McGuire, uh, hosted by Think Galactic, P. Jelly Clark, hosted by Bookends and Beginnings, Becky Chambers, hosted by Speculative Literature Foundation, uh, Rika Aoki, hosted by Weird and Wonderful. Uh, the list goes on. These are all happening from May through June, right up until ShyCon itself at the end of August. So this is going to be, it's going to be in-person and also virtual? That's my understanding. That's tough. That's tough. I feel like there haven't been a lot of good, well, you know, honestly, I haven't, I, I can't say that for sure because I haven't tried to attend a virtual and in-person event that is happening simultaneously. Oh, it looks like the the authors are appearing virtually though. Okay. That's cool. Yeah. Because I feel like sometimes the people who are attending virtually get a little short shrift on that, like that experience when there's people live in the room as well. Um, but I had, I, I attended a conference this past week. Um, that was phenomenal. A two day conference, all virtual. Um, and I loved it and I had a really great time. Um, so I feel like that, that technology is, is getting a lot better. So hopefully we'll see, we'll see more of that. Um, all right. And then Ruth has another post, um, saying Polygon. Oh, I'm sorry. I skipped one. Ruth says tour.com publishing have released a free sampler of their 2022 debuts and you can download it in various formats. Um, it includes, um, some sneak peeks into, um, Scott O'Moore's, uh, battle of the linguist mages, Marion deeds come up and served cold. Um, let's see what else we got Malcolm Devlin's and then I woke up, which is a creepy layered literary story about false narratives and their ability to divide us. And then we have a new, uh, Rachel Swirsky. Yay, Rachel. Nice. Um, with January 18th, a gut wrenching fear, uh, near future novella humanizing the experimental, practically science fictional policy of universal basic income. <laughs> I like uh, it. That's great. Plus, uh, you know what? Free sampler, you know, yep. I like, a. I like a free sampler, whether it's chocolates or science fiction and fantasy. I am a fan as well. Downloading uh, that Kindle version now. Paul uh, noted that Polygon has released their favorite 2022 SFF books so far. Mm. Uh, I think they did most anticipated back in January, but now they're they're checking in with so far. Paul says most of these are familiar, but I never heard of The Way Spring Arrives and Other Stories, a collection of Chinese science fiction and fantasy and translation from a visionary team of female and non-binary creators. And it sounds like a great collection. Ooh, there's some good looking Good looking books on here, including uh, Sea of Tranquility, which is the new one by uh, Emily St. John Mandel, of course, mm-hmm. of Station Eleven fame. Yeah. Uh, if you don't need to add anything to your to be read list, don't look at this. You, <laughs> you will add something after you look at it. I'm already struggling. I have so much content I need to catch up on. It's it's yeah. nearly impossible at this point. <laughs> Oh, all right. Well, thank you everyone for submitting to our quick burns. You can do that by posting either over on our Goodreads thread or posting in our Goodreads, um, sorry, our quick burns channel over on Discord. Yay. All right. Well, now it is time for Barrier Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Tom, kick us off. Yeah, I, I acknowledged people earlier in the Discord, but more people have joined. So Calvi. Uh, and Nemo and Prosecca, welcome to the Discord stream. Uh, Jamie came through, uh, said, my podcast player was acting up, so I managed to listen to this today, and since they, to my surprise, read out a post of mine and asked for references, well, that's a fair response. So, Hmm. the reason why quadrology is considered, well, non-standard is probably more accurate to say than simply wrong, is that the <laughs> logy, the L-O-G-Y, or logi ending, is Greek. So ideally, it goes with the Greek word for four, and quad oh. is Latin. Mm. Now, there are some words that break mm-hmm. that rule. Television, mm-hmm. probably the best known, mm. but there are fewer than you might think. Uh, wordsmiths tend to try to pair Greek with Greek, Latin with Latin. This is why somebody who likes cats is an alurophile, not a philophile. Oh, all right. Or a cat lover would be another way of, of putting it. That's just mixing English with English. It works. Anyway, all Jamie uh, Jamie says, that was probably too much detail, wasn't it? No, no, no. Jamie, it wasn't. That was great. I love that. I, I love that Jamie brought receipts. Yeah. Jamie yeah, was like, absolutely. oh, you want, you want, you want the, the backstory, huh? I got you. 
I will say, though, philophile, because English is one of those living languages, and I love that you're like non-standard, not necessarily wrong, because English doesn't have an academy or anything. Uh, I feel like philophile would catch on more than alerophile if people were to say it at all. I don't think they're going to say either one. But you know what? Because we know philophile. about feline. Philophile. We, we don't know the Greek as as well. And we like file. We use file for things. Yeah, yeah. People use the the Greek endings all the time, but not the Greek beginnings. Which yeah. is why I said quad, because people know quad. They don't know tetra. Tetra is going to make people think three just because it begins with T, even though that doesn't make any sense because it's not try. I'm, I'm working with someone, speaking of which, um, whose last name is Hext, H-E-X-T. Um, and it's just reminding me of all of the, um, the Gideon the Ninth. And uh, oh, right, because <laughs> I'm reading Nona, Nona the Ninth right now, yeah, also. Yeah. And I, I believe, if I'm remembering correctly, that they're kind of like there is a hext, but I think it's H E C T instead of H E X T. Um, but I just think that's a cool name. I would love to know the 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 origin of that as well. I'll have to look it up later. Um, very cool. We also have a tweet from Anne who says, uh, for some reason, the uh, episode index on the Sword and Laser website doesn't load on my end anymore. Any ideas why? Uh, that overview is super helpful and I would love to continue using it. Well, I had no idea. So I went over to our website and looked at the episode index and lo and behold, there is nothing there. Um, so my guess is that they had some kind of, uh, we, you know, Squarespace is pretty WYSIWYG and it's built using different components that you kind of plug into the page and my guess is that they maybe like sunsetted that component or it doesn't work anymore with our particular layout or something happened to it because we haven't touched anything. Mm -hmm. um, We've been using Squarespace since 1830, uh, yeah. <laughs> practically. <laughs> so. so it's possible that that particular piece of their site no longer exists and therefore just disappeared from the code. Um, so I'm going to have to go hop in there tonight and, and check it out and try to revitalize it. Um, but you're right. It, it is just an index, so it should be easy to pull. It should be easy to to replace. Yeah. Yeah. So I, f I just have to remember what it looked like. I think it was just a month by month index of all of the published mm -hmm. content on the website. Yeah. Um, I, I sort of vaguely remember it back in the 70s, you know, looking at it. <laughs> <laughs> back when uh, we were just we chill, we babes. Yeah. No, I, honestly, I do kind of hate it when, and I'll pick on Squarespace because it's Squarespace, but Wix and all the others do it too. WordPress does it too, uh, where they, they just take away things. Like, don't mm -hmm. don't just take away things. Well, from sometimes my... there's reasons. I mean, there, that's you fine. Have to deprecate but you got some things. You've got to deprecate, not eliminate. You can't just pull our index. You know. Well, you have like, to warn people. And, you can't just take away. Is, yeah. Maybe they warned us. <laughs> that would be the other side. Is that they did, and we just, you know. Well, clearly didn't they didn't pay do a very good job. Yeah. Just saying. Yeah, they could have come to our house and knocked on our door and come in and helped us reinstall. Squarespace calling. <laughs> uh, JF Dubo, good friend of the show, JF Dubo, uh, tweeted regarding figuring out the mystery too early or getting spoilers, said, I think there's a sweet spot. You want to figure it out just before the reveal, like half a chapter or a couple of paragraphs. Oh, I don't know. Mm. Well, hold on. Let him finish. Mm -hmm. That way you feel clever for figuring it out. But not like the mystery is too shallow and you figured it out too early. Okay. So you had some, you, I mean, you, you commented back to him saying that we kind of addressed this on the show. Um, and I don't really remember how we addressed that particular yeah, either, part at this point. I did when I <laughs> tweeted back to Jeff about it, but now I don't, um, now I, I don't feel remember. like, I feel like right before the reveal is almost too close. That feels too obvious. I like to feel a little more special like I like to give it a few chapters. I guess it, your and then mileage watch may it. vary yeah. on the timing. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 that makes sense. So that's just my personal opinion. I still think if you find it out really early, it can be fun, like you said, to you know to to understand the journey, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah. To the, the the title of last week's episode, for instance, uh, address that. But yeah, but yeah, uh, I think if you want to feel like that perfect sweet spot, it's it's probably a little different, like you say, for different people. But there is that sweet spot where it's like just you figure it out just early enough, but not too late. I watch a, a show called Death in Paradise. Uh, it's a British show. You can get it over here on BritBox. Uh, and I never I never figure it out. 
And other people who watch it are like, how do you not figure it out? It's always so obvious on that show. And I'm like, I think I don't want to. I think I just have so much fun watching the, because it's, it's, it's a, it's basically a, a murder mystery show set on a tropical Island in the Caribbean. And I'm like, I think I just enjoy listening to the music because they pick great music on that show. Uh, and looking at the scenery that like, I don't like, I don't want to know it because then I won't enjoy the rest of the show. And so I just, I play dumb while I watch it. Is it, um, is it, so the mystery changes every week? Yeah. Yeah. It's always a different different mystery but it's always a murder but why is this island so plagued with murder I, there there have been stories in the british press about like you know the, the per capita murders on, on the fictional island of saint marie where, you know, like off be, the charts like it would be a problem people would be investigating like why do so many people die on this island and the show's been on for 11 seasons too so that's oh a lot God, of deaths. that's a lot yeah. of dead people exactly i mean with like law and order like, you're like okay really it's new york city there? Right. Yeah. But that's like that's like going to like, I don't know, Cape Cod and having yeah. a different murder there in the town of like. Yeah. Having like 10 murders a year. Yeah. Dennis a, Port uh, is having like uh-huh. a murder a month. And you're like, wait, there's only 10,000 people in this town. Yeah. Uh, where, where are you? You're all you're going to the Caribbean. Where are you going? Saint Marie. Ooh, I don't know. Ooh. <laughs> a lot of dead people. Wouldn't recommend it this time. Yeah. Of year. Not a good idea. Or any time of year. <laughs> but they always solve it. That was catch it. It's actually a now that I think about it, it's a horrible argument for enforcement. Like they always catch the killer, but it doesn't stop people. They just keep killing. It's not. There's no good determent. Yeah. 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 That's a good point. Um, Okay. Well, is is that one of is that an English or is that a Korean drama? That is in in English. It's a British. It's a British takes place in England. Okay. I I can't remember if it's BBC or Channel Four in the actual UK, but it's on BritBox over here. Got it. All right. Well, should we uh, check in on our book of the month? Let's do uh, Machine Hood by S.B. Divya. We kicked it off last time. And uh, it is, I, I think, you know, maybe maybe we get to, to some of the uh, the comments first. But I've got some non-spoilery. We're not going to be spoilery this time. We'll be wrapping it up next time. I've got some non-spoilery reasons why I like this book a lot, but I haven't been finding reasons to read it. Yeah. I'm not done. Okay. Sometimes mm-hmm. I'm done long before we do the wrap up episode. I'm not even done yet. But I, how, it's far, not, how far along are you? I'm pretty far along. I'm pretty close to the end. I think I'm like oh, right. on the audiobook within an hour of the end. Oh, you point. did the audiobook. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I love the audiobook performance, by the way. Uh, they have two different uh, performances one with uh, an Indian accent in English. Okay. Uh, and the other or with Nithya? an American accent in English. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nathia? I Nithya. forget how. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm about just about 50% done mm-hmm. on the, on the Kindle version. Um, so let's read this post from Oaken. Um, Oaken posting a lot today. Nice. Um, they say, uh, science fiction. Well, the title is when good science fiction makes bad, when good science makes bad fiction, mm. um, which I feel like is a really good show title, but also kind of dark. I don't know. Maybe we'll think about it. We'll consider it. We might steal that show title. Oaken says, uh, science fiction has long used the future to explore ideas and trends that reflect on our world today. Certainly not not all SF is that way. I can still love my space opera and science fantasy for its escapism, but I would argue that some of the best or at least most interesting SF is that way, which would be an argument for why a book such as Machinehood should be a great read, except it wasn't. Machinehood pushes all the buttons for a near-future dystopian mirror that reflects back on today. The world the author envisions extends from current realities, the wealth gap, the rise of the gig economy, economic upset driven by way, and so on. If you've read recent nonfiction on AI and machine intelligence, e.g. Life 3.0 by Max Tegmark, these are the kinds of issues futurists are thinking about today. In spite of all this, Machinehood falls into a category of novels that I think relies too heavily on science and doesn't do that great of a job with the fiction. Other darlings of that category include Greg Baer, String Theory and Wormholes, oh my, and Gregory Benford, that massive black hole at the center of our galaxy and machine life, look out! Plots that are plotting, meandering, or generally unbelievable. Protagonists and antagonists who make decisions that have you scratching your head. Prose that doesn't flow and spends a lot of time trying to set up, explain, or justify what is happening. Ideas that are grand, execution that fails. 
In some ways, I think being too well-researched creates some of these problems. As one counterexample, I read William Gibson in an interview saying he really had minimal understanding of computers and the internet when he wrote Neuromancer on a typewriter, but wow. I can't say as this novel garners as very many, oh, sorry. I can't say as this novel garners very many stars for me, not because the world building is bad, but because the characters didn't grab me and I really didn't buy into the plot arc which is a shame. It had potential. Am I the only one who feels this way? Well, and and the other thread you have from Alex, I think is worth reading right after that. Uh, even though we usually, we skip, you know, uh, from one to yeah. the other. Uh, Alex says, I think the book is awesome. I will not put any spoilers because some people might not read it. I liked the science behind the story. I liked the world concept behind the story. I really liked the character arcs of both POV characters. It was refreshing to see the ending that doesn't end in a typical story grid or save the cat recipe. I will definitely read more from this author. I'm not surprised that the book was nominated for awards. It really deserved it. So sometimes uh, when when people make these flat decisions, the, these flat statements, I, I have to remind myself that they're not saying them as assertively as it reads on the paper. Uh, so, you know, when it says, you know, execution that fails or prose that doesn't flow, uh, I want to, I, I start to want to stand up and defend and say like, well, it may not have flown for you, but it obviously flowed for other people. Look at Alex. Alex likes it. Uh, but I, I try to remind myself that, that what Oaken is saying is, is it kind of an understood for me, like, like for Oaken that didn't work. And that's totally fair because, because books land differently with different people. But I think both of these people are right and reflect something that I felt. Although I think Oaken didn't like the characters as much. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I, th- I think Oaken said something about the characters not being well fleshed out, which I, 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 that I didn't feel that way. I felt more like Alex there. I do think this book is strong on world, strong on concepts. That's one thing I didn't hear either of them say here is that the concepts are very strong. It's not just the science. It's the conceptual world around them uh, that that was built. And, and I think that if you like conceptual stuff, if you like teasing out conceptual and running with it, then that's going to let you like the story more. I think mm-hmm. the characters are fine. I wouldn't be as hard as Oaken, but I don't think the story and the characters are the kind of leave you on the edge of your seat, you know, oh, I can't wait to find out what happens next. And oh my gosh, I love that character so much. I didn't feel that way either. I don't love any of these characters. I didn't think any of these characters were characters like, oh, I want to just hang out with them because it's mm-hmm. not that kind of story. Right. It's a story about concepts. And if you're the kind of person who's more into the conceptual part of a story, then this is the book for you. And that's why it's getting nominations and, and, and awards, because there are plenty of readers who do like that. And the characters not maybe not as important as long as they're decent. And these are decent characters. I think they're well fleshed out. You know, they just aren't built in a way where you're going to, like, get a snappy bit of dialogue that makes you fall in love with them. Like, you know, what was the uh, the Victorian era uh, thieves that we just read. <laughs> yeah. Like that's a quintessential example of like the story could have been anything. And I would have loved those characters the way they were written. You know, right? I would, uh, I would definitely go have a beer with them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. This is not that. And that's okay. Not every story has to have those kind of characters. So I, I think that explains why I'm not rushing to find time to read this because these aren't characters or a, they're not characters that I'm like, Oh, I love hanging out with them. It's not the kind of story where it's like, Oh my gosh, what's going to happen next. But I enjoy every second when I'm reading it or listening to it because the concepts are amazing and the way they're interwoven is fascinating and it provokes thoughts. It makes me think about things. And sometimes I don't agree and think, well, I don't know that it would really happen that way. And that's, what's enjoyable about it. I agree with you. Um, 95%. Um, I'm, I'm with you on all of that. I think for the most part, I, I, I really think that a lot of thought went into the world building. Um, Welka, I think as a character, Ramirez, I think is, is, is yeah. good. Like, I think that she's interesting, um, interesting, like good backstory, um, like motivations that make sense to me. Yeah. I think the characters make sense for sure. Yeah. So I'm not sure what arc yet. Maybe I'm not far enough along as Oaken was to to have trouble with where the plot's going, because um, I'm just not far enough mm. along to to have those opinions yet. 
Um, what I, what I'm having trouble with is just, I, and, and this is just me. I, I, it's, it, it feels exhausting to me because it mm. feels too real and it kind of bums me out. I like think when that's I, fair. Yeah. And I'm just kind of like, oh man, like this does feel like a, a potential outcome of, of our mm-hmm. current existence. Um, especially with the like 24 seven live streaming and the gig economy and the tip jars and the, and the pills, I, I find, you know, honestly, I, I find mm-hmm. I'm finding the talk of the pills to be a little overdone. Like it, it feels like almost I mean, I, I get that that's like a pretty major plot point, especially like around the motivation of the antagonists. Um, but just every other line is just like pill this pill that pill this pill that and it's like, OK, all right. Yeah, I get it. OK. Um, so, yeah, that that part is just it, it's not. Like you are not finding reasons to read it. I'm having a hard time like bringing myself to to get there every night mm, to like sit down mm-hmm. when I'm already kind of tired and and read a few chapters. Yeah, um, it's not a it's not a uh, it's not a relaxing fun read, especially when I've got a copy of Nona the Ninth sitting on my desk. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> you all know how I feel about that series. Um, yeah. So it's yeah it's it's I appreciate this book very much. I appreciate the, the effort and thought that's gone into it. I think it's, I think it's well-written. I think the, the, uh, the, uh, world building, the backstory is, is super well thought out, researched, planned, yeah. plotted. Um, I'm just, it, it's not the book for me right now. And I'm, it's, it's becoming a little challenging to push through, but I'm going to do it. Cause I actually do want to know what happens. Like the story itself. Like I'm like, Oh yeah, this is a pretty good mystery. Like I, it's starting to open up a little bit right now and I'm starting to learn more. Um, so I am excited to see how that comes together. But at the same time, it's far enough along that I'm like, really, there's 50% of this book left at this point. Like, What else is going to happen? But again, it's not a mystery. It's not a mystery novel. It's a conceptual novel. Yeah. And so what, what you're feeling is the mystery is a little bit weirdly paced it, mm-hmm. compared to like, if you had a standard mystery story, but the concepts are constantly rolling out, which is why it's harder for you to read because yeah. you're like, oh God, another concept, you know, like, right, right. You know, yeah. I did, I, I didn't need to learn today. Thanks a lot, dad. <laughs> so I'm, I'm sticking with it, but you know, another yeah, yeah. signal to me, if I'm looking at this from a quantitative perspective, um, in mm. my, in my product manager brain, I'm noticing a real lack of, uh, discussion on this book happening in the forums, which is unusual at this point in the month. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a little surprised with that because there are so many concepts to deal with. And the explanation for that might be that a lot of other people are feeling the same way you are, which is like, yeah, but too real. Yeah. Yeah. A little too I close to home. If failing of mine that keeps that from happening to me is that I, I don't keep up in the <laughs> real world. You don't I know don't. what's happening. I, 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 I very carefully curate the information that is putting my brain with, Tom, it with ain't an, good. It with ain't an good eye, out there. with an eye towards staying informed. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be ignorant, uh, but without exhausting me. So I long time ago, unfollowed a bunch of folks on Twitter I don't open Facebook at all. Uh, I don't watch television news. And when I say I don't watch television news, I mean, I don't watch video, even on the internet. Mm. I get my news, I read it, and I choose what I read and when. Uh, and, it, and it really helps me. Uh, it, it's, it might also keep me from understanding a few things that I should understand just as, as far as like how people are feeling, but I don't have that feeling when I'm reading this book that it's too real. I instead look at it and say, well, it's really interesting that certain aspects of the society are accepted and not worried about like the tip jar. Mm-hmm. The tip jar would be something where if it was today, daily tech news show would have all these stories about, Oh my God, the tip jar and the privacy violations and people are upset. Uh, but in this world, the tip jar is like, Oh yeah, everybody, when the, I thought it's so interesting that when the tip jar comes up and I guess it's a minor spoiler, but, uh, it's, it's not spoiling any plot points or anything like that. Uh, people just kind of like, Oh, the tip jar, how's your tip jar? Like nobody criticizes the tip jar. There's criticisms of all other aspects of society, but that one just kind of is like accepted. And I'm like, people, that people would happen. Eat. Stuff people like that eat. happens where <laughs> yeah. people just accept things. Uh, 
you're going to get a lot more in the second half of the book, a lot more uh, religion oriented concepts mm. cu- coming in, which I think are really <sighs> interestingly treated. I didn't love treated. that storyline in the first first quarter well, of the book either. But it's not the same. It's not the oh, same okay. in the second right. half. Um, oh, with the space station, I'm guessing. Not the same religion. Put it that way. Yeah. yeah. All right. All right. Yeah, yeah. Got it. That makes uh, sense. Yeah. I don't know. I I find this book absolutely fascinating. It doesn't wear me out uh, like like you're talking about, but I 100% understand if it does wear people out like like it does for you like i can see that um and and so i i could see that being a harder a harder thing to pick up we had the same thing when we read um parable of the sower where oh yeah i missed that some one. people mm-hmm. you know especially because we were you know in in the unvaccinated part of the pandemic uh yeah. and people people were like yeah can't do it to like you want to talk too real that that one was <laughs> That one even hit me where I was like, I was out walking the dog going oh, like, no. oh my gosh, I'm I'm in the story right now because they're walking on the road and there's no one there and there's no one here. Well, that's like, like when you start hearing about Parable of the Sower and like your non-science fiction fantasy communities because it hits so yeah, close to home, yeah, yeah, like you right. know that like that's legit. Yeah. yeah. I was going to say that Mark was saying like, this just feels like a world I really don't want to live in. And fair, totally from, fair. from machine hood. And, yeah. that, you know, that's that's fair also. And we read a lot of books like that. Like, I wouldn't want to live in the world of Station Eleven, but that didn't take away from <laughs> my enjoyment of the novel. You know, so yeah. it's not necessarily like a marker of whether or not I want to we read, read Station Eleven or, before there was an actual pandemic, didn't we? Yeah, we read it yeah. in 2014. I wonder if we how we would have reacted if we'd read it for the first time now. It's a really good point. Is a really good book. Really, (laughs) really good point. And that one's very character driven. Yeah. That one actually doesn't isn't as much about plot, though. It's very much about character. That's a great question. Yeah. I'm curious what what our forum members think. Like, would would Station Eleven have been as interesting or as readable, like if we read it two years ago or a year ago or today? Mm. Just yeah. curious, just a fun little question to put a fun little question to put out just there a fun about. So yes, so next time we will wrap up our spoilery thoughts of Machine Hood by SB Divya, giving us all a chance to to finish up and talk about it then. And uh, a couple days here, Ms. Belmont, you're going to have to pick the next one. <gasps> oh my goodness, I am not prepared. You're right, I've got like three days. Okay, I'm on it. Send your suggestions so. in the Discord <laughs> at Veronica or by email feedback at swordlaser.com. Thank you. Uh, again, stick around uh, after the end music plays. Uh, I don't know how many people just skip past the music and go to the next show, but uh, st- stick around after the end music today if you want to hear our memories of Jenny Colvin. And of course, for all of you out there, thank you so much for listening. Um, our show is entirely funded by you, our patrons. Thank you so much to all the folks who back our show, who join our community, who write in, who send us tweets, who send us Instagram posts. Um, every little bit just brightens our day and, and makes us feel part of this community. So thank you. Uh, you can learn more about Patreon at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Yeah. Be a patron like Elizabeth, who's able to, to jump in and listen a little bit on, on, our, on our lunch break. Thanks, Elizabeth. On the other uh, side of the also, world. You could also support the show by buying books through our links. Find links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks. Send us an email, feedback at swordandlaser.com. Uh, we are on Instagram and Twitter at swordandlaser. And of course, all of our discussions happen over on goodreads.com slash swordandlaser. We'll see you next time. Bye. Yeah, as we mentioned at the top of the show, um, we lost a wonderful community member um, this past week, uh, Jenny Reading Envy Colvin. Um, many of you knew her from our forums, from Twitter, from Instagram. Um, she contributed to the show and our community in so many different ways throughout the years, um, was such an incredible member of our team, um, you know, guest hosted the podcast a couple of times. Uh, I could always count on her posting her her reads uh, over on Instagram, not only just on Instagram, but like like 
everywhere. Like she was, she wrote so many reviews, but we'll, we'll get to that shortly. Um, but we just wanted to take some time to, um, share our thoughts about her, uh, from our community and, uh, you know, play a little audio clip from, um, one of the times that she guested on the show with Tom. Um, but first I wanted to, to read a little post from uh, one of her coworkers at the Furman library. Um, they said, it's a sad day in our Furman library world. Our colleague, Jenny Colvin passed away last night at the age of 43. She was the fastest reader. I know read anything, had a podcast reading envy and a baking blog. Jenny bakes. She cared a lot, a lot about a lot of things, but mostly in trying to make things better. Yeah, I got the pleasure of podcasting with her multiple times. Uh, I wrote a little bit about this on Goodreads. Uh, she was one of the people we turned to to step in uh, when Veronica was on maternity leave. Uh, and this is such a perfect choice. Member of the community, uh, a fabulous member of the community, super smart, reads a lot, does a podcast about mm-hmm. uh, about books, uh, and so that was so much fun uh, to to have her on and and chat with her and be able to to co-host with her. I feel honored that I that I got that chance. And then she returned the favor and had me on Reading Envy. Oh, uh, I don't think well. I knew that. Yeah, yeah, that was that was super fun to be able to podcast with her in in return. Yeah, um, I have always just been blown away. Like we've been friends on Goodreads for years. And just the amount of books that she was able to get through and not only read, but review mm-hmm. like her ability to, to read and write like incredibly insightful, well thought out reviews. I mean, when I try to write a review, I'm lucky if I get like half a paragraph, I'm <laughs> oh, yeah. like, I, I never don't know write what to reviews say. anymore. I, yeah. I just, yeah. Like I'm better at talking about them, I guess. And I she was good at thing. that too. <laughs> Exactly. (laughs) Some people get all the, get all the book luck. Um, but she was, uh, incredibly smart and so funny and just like really brilliant when it came to dissecting the, the ins and outs of the books that she was reading. And she was going through like tons of, of Russian books. I think her, her like read Russia was her, was her goal for, uh, for 2022. Um, which I, I'm pretty sure she planned before the the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, but also, you know, interestingly, if you're reading, you can kind of understand the minds of of people as well. So I think that was would have been still a really great um, thing to do to to learn and understand uh, the perspectives of of the people of Russia as well. Um, but yeah, she incredible podcaster, amazing voice. Um, prolific social media person as well. And, uh, so many of our community knew and loved her. Um, and I was reminded recently, uh, by one of the the threads that we'll post, um, over on our website, um, that when, uh, John Nevitz actually wrote about how we lost another community member, Joanna, um, five years ago. And I, I just, mm. I couldn't believe that when I read that, it seems like it happened so recently that we lost Joanna and Jenny wrote a beautiful post about her. Mm. And so it, it, it just feels fitting, you know, to, to pay it forward and to, you know, the, these, these people that have been in our community for so long will always be part of our community and we'll always have their contributions and we'll always have their voice. And to me, that's like one of the, the best parts of, of being on a, on a, in a community like this. Yeah. Uh, sh- should we share John Nevitt's idea Yes, uh, please do. Yeah. So uh, he he noted uh, that when when Joanna died, uh, we chose one of her unread books from her Goodreads list uh, as our p- book pick. Uh, and and John says, I thought this was a great and wholly appropriate way of remembering her. Each time I see the hum and shiver in my Audible mm-hmm. account, I think of her. Jenny was such a prolific reader that this doesn't seem quite right. <laughs> And also may be a more difficult task. Uh, My suggestion instead is for one month, not have a traditional book pick, but instead have each of us read as many different books as we can, even if that is just one. Thank you for including me, John. Uh, And then write a Goodreads review of them, possibly mentioning it is posted in her memory. I know many are very good about writing reviews anyway, but many of us aren't. And I thought this would be a unique way of sharing much of what she enjoyed. You know, I actually love that. And, I love this idea. Yeah. And I'm glad you said really it could fun. be just one, John, because I might be able to read <laughs> <Yeah>. two. <laughs> I think we should do that. I think we should yeah. make it like 
Jenny's month and just, we all pick different books, read whatever we've been excited to read and then, you know, write a blurb about it and share it on Goodreads. And then Tom and I, of course, we'll talk about our book picks separately. We'll, yeah. we'll share what we've each read on the podcast and then we can read some of the blurbs or play recordings. If, if y'all out there want to record your blurb and send it oh, into yeah. us, that's a great idea. And we can play them on the show for the wrap and up. You know what? I think I think I want to add to this, uh, especially because I know I won't read a lot of books. I'm not a fast reader, and I, I don't think Jenny would expect me to be. Uh, I, in fact, she said said as much when we were when we were doing the the show together last year. Um, I I think it would be fun to go back and add reviews to books you never reviewed that you've already read mm-hmm. in her honor. Uh, and you can, you can note that if you want, like, you know, I'm finally getting around to reviewing this book in, in honor of the memory of Jenny Colvin and then do your review. Cause that was the other thing that she did that I think I could do more of, uh, is write some reviews. And so I'm just kind of riffing on John's idea, adding that in. Yeah. And if, in case you're worried about just giving free content to like Goodreads and Amazon, remember like reviews really help authors. Like yeah. they are one of the best ways that you can help some of your favorite authors. So that's, that's and you can put them elsewhere. They don't have to be on Goodreads. True. You know? Yeah. Could put be it on your blog. You put it on Twitter. Do it. Totally. Pull up Beth Mitchum and, and write a 280 character review. <laughs> and we'll read that on the show. We'll retweet it. Um, there's so many different ways that you can contribute. Um, so we'll put this up on a blog post um, when we announce the next book pick, which will be in Jenny's honor of just yeah. reading whatever you want to read. And letting you us know just what you do thought that about for it. Next month? I do. I do. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. All right. Then that that's what we'll do. All right. And before we wrap up, um, I just wanted to play a snippet of um Jenny co-hosting with Tom um back when I was on maternity leave. And this was hard for me to edit because I never had actually listened to the episode. Um, I just never had time to catch up on all the episodes that happened while I was away. And so this was my first time hearing it. Um, so yeah, don't don't switch tracks. This is not uh, your your podcast player isn't skipping to the next episode. <laughs> <laughs> this is just a a clip of Jenny Colvin joining Tom Merritt on Sword and Laser recently. So thank you, Jenny. We love you. Thanks for being such a, an amazing part of this community. To Jenny. <laughs> Hey everyone, welcome to The Sword and Laser. I'm Tom Merritt. And I'm Jenny Colvin. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it's so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Uh, Veronica Belmont still on maternity leave, doing great, uh, but we're very happy to have Jenny Colvin back on the show. Welcome back, Jenny. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This has been great. Uh, it's been great having you. Uh, remind people where you originate from as, as our guest host. Well, mostly the Reading Envy podcast, and um, that's all over the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Reading Envy everywhere. You can find it just by searching for that. So uh, come find me. Come friend me and follow me. It's great. 